Let's pray. Lord, thank you. God, thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for worship. Lord, as we're just going to see just how powerful a weapon it is, just how powerful it is, Father, I pray that you make it new to us today. And Lord, really that it transforms the way that we fight going forward. Father, that we would learn principles from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. A couple months ago, Pastor Glenn preached a message. I believe the title of it was like something like The Three Doors. Um, and uh, he let us know <laughs> that uh, we've chosen the door of believing the prophets, right? Relating to what do we do? Who do we believe? Where do we go? How do we react? All the questions that everyone in the world has been asking the last several months. He said, there's several doors you can choose. Maybe not, they're not necessarily one's right and the other ones are all wrong. That wasn't the point of his message. The point was, we have chosen as a church to choose the door of believing the prophets, and which I thought, yes, that's a great way to describe exactly what we've done. And we are, when I say we, I mean river in the hills, okay? I believe that we've conf confidently, consistently, and effectively walked through that door and are continuing to and will continue to walk through that door. Okay? I know it's a funny picture, right? It's like, and you go, but it's not. It's more of a revolving door that you continue to walk through, right? Like elf. Ah, ah, he goes around in a circle. No, but, it's, but it's not like we walked through it and then we went, oh, shoot, that was a bad idea. And we come back through and then we go, okay, no, I'm going to walk through it again. No, we're just continuing to, to beat down that door and it's good. Dutch Sheets has been a particularly uh, encouraging and accurate prophetic voice to the church during this hour, one of the ones that we've lean, leaned into as a leadership, very thankful for his life and ministry. Bless him, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amos 3.7 actually says that the Lord doesn't do anything without revealing it first to his servants or his friends, the prophets. It makes total sense to lean into some, you know, a prophetic voice, someone who's hearing the now, the rhema word from heaven, when scripture says, well, that's how the Lord likes to communicate through people. I know it's an Old Testament verse, but you see that the difference isn't that there's no prophecy in the New Covenant. The difference is, is that everyone can prophesy in the New Covenant, right? It's not, it's not, hey, the prophets are done away with it. It's no, now everybody can do it because we all have the Holy Spirit. That's, that's the good news, right? So uh, if there was that check of like, well, that's the Old Testament. I mean, that's how he spoke to people was only through the prophets. I'm like, uh, yeah, there was a lot of things in the Old Covenant, but now when the Holy Spirit came and Jesus' Jesus' blood and the New Covenant, we all get to prophesy. It's great. Some are more accurate than others. We're all in process. We're trying. All right? Some are gifted with prophecy, though, is my point. Dutch Sheets is one of those guys. All right. Um, the Lord has given us his word, the Bible, right, as a revelation about his character, about who he is, about his love for us. It's the, it's the gospel, Genesis through Revelation. The whole witness of Scripture is true, accurate, and applicable for today. Amen? Yes. Amen. But he also still chooses to put his now word on the... He puts his rhema on the logos, on the logos, right? And so that's what we're, that's what we're believing for and, and leaning into. Um, switching gears just briefly here and into the, kind of the next thing I want to talk about as we set that that premise is that we, I, I've been saying it for years, several people have been saying for years that we, the church, is at, we're at war, okay? This is not peacetime. It hasn't been for a ever, <laughs> okay? But, but so much, so much 
in our church history points to leaders and, and prophetic voices, even some of them saying, oh, we're at peace, this is peace, you know, this peace. And it, what, it's, it's, what it's led to is our situation that we find ourselves in here today, okay? When you're in war and you behave like you're at peace, you start to lose, <laughs> right? And so and be, and be, it's, just, it's just a fact. And so I'm not saying we're losing. I'm saying uh, messes happen. That's probably what I should have said. Um, and so we're at war. Um, we're not at war with a group of people, okay? Uh, even though I, I know that it manifests like that sometimes. It sure seems like we're at war with people when people are the object of our own frustration, wrath, disappointment, discouragement. I understand that it manifests like that, but, but the point is that that's actually not where our war is at, okay? We're not at war with a virus, okay? It would be silly anyways, but we're, we're definitely not at war with a virus, even though the fear, the fear and deceit is all wrapped up in all that right now. It's unbelievable. We're not at war with other believers, because that would be counterproductive to Jesus' prayer for us in John 17, that we would all come to unity and that that's how the world will know that Jesus came from the Father. When we are one, as Jesus and the Father are one. I and you, he and me, I and you, all those, you know, the like, wait, who's and who? Those verses. <laughs> they and us. There's your Trinity verse for the day. Ephesians 6, 12 says, for our struggles not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We are at war with spiritual forces of evil who are blinding our brothers and sisters, some of them, who are influencing influencers with demonic rhetoric and damaging fear-mongering, hatred, anger, confusion, working through people cursing, hexing, casting spells against the righteous. We have to stop right there and just remember, just remind yourself right now, because as I said those things, people's faces may have come up in your mind, but our war is not against flesh and blood. So remember, I know it's hard, and, and I have not arrived. <laughs> Maybe I should come down here and preach the rest of this, because this is not any, any sort of indication of where I'm at spiritually as it relates to who we're at war with. It's hard, and it's difficult, but it's necessary that we put on love, and that we love people, and that we forgive people, and that we pray for people especially those who curse you, especially those who are pursuing and openly inviting evil. Okay, I know it's difficult. You guys have, all, have you guys heard that it's a churchy saying? I hate it. All sin's the same. Have you heard that? Yes, in that all sin represents separation from God, right? All, all sin separates us, right? In that, in that regard, yes, sin is sin is sin. But all sin is not the same. Because if I stub my toe and say something I shouldn't say, you don't compare that with murdering babies. You don't compare that with rape. You don't compare it with genocide. 
okay? So some sin is abomination and abhorrent evil. And some sin, I'm not, I'm not, it's not, it doesn't mean there needs to be a measuring scale where you're like, I wonder how big that sin was. On a scale of zero to 10, where's your sin? And you're like, oh, well, if that's a 10 and this is zero, it's probably a three. Like, and you're like, okay, say three, I'm sorry. No, that's not it. It's not religious. It's not religious. We don't say Hail Marys. We're not Catholic. We just say I'm sorry. But, but you understand that, you understand that, that it's, to, the, re, I'm, the reason I'm saying this, I'm telling you that there's some things that are going on that are very, very difficult to stomach, more the less forgive. I understand that. Nonetheless, Scripture doesn't make exception for those sins that we would consider abomination, that we would consider abhor, consider abhorrent, deliberate evil, that we would consider the devil incarnate working through people. He says, he desires that none perish. He says, love your enemies. He says, do good to those who curse you. Or he says, bless those who curse you. And that's where we find ourselves. All right. Make no mistake, the war that we're in is very real, okay? There might not be a great movie about it, like We Were Soldiers or, you know, some of the really good war movies, um, but it's very real. I would challenge and actually say even more real than the wars that we're used to reading about. Some of us have been in, um, survived the ones that we hear about. The war that we're in is real because it is determining things in the kingdom. And the kingdom is much more real, much more of a reality or should be much more reality to us than this temporary uh, world that we live in right now. Um, if you don't have body armor, Ephesians 6.10, if you don't have weapons, 2 Chronicles 20, as we're going to see here in just a minute, and if you don't have a vital connection to the rest of your platoon, Hebrews 10.25, you'll become a casualty of war. It's just the way that it is. No, Norm, Gary, back me up here. Only an idiot goes to battle without your body armor, without your weapon, without a game plan, and by himself, right? This is not a strategy. I mean, maybe it is. It's a bad strategy. <laughs> like whoever came up with that strategy should be fired, right? We, yeah, anyways. My, because of my personality, I like constantly have funny things come into my head. <laughs> And I've, I've been asking the Lord to install this, like, filter. It's like at the back of my mouth. You know, it's when that stuff makes its way down from my head to the back of my mouth. The filter, especially when I'm in front of people, or the filter, just this little alarm goes off and goes, that doesn't need to be said. That doesn't need to be said. But sometimes when I talk really loud, I can't hear the, that doesn't need to be said. So I turn up the volume, and uh, anyways... That's just the insight into what's going on in my brain. <laughs> Welcome <laughs> to the show. <laughs> All right, back on track. Um, we're going to read through some parts of Second Chronicles 20 here because what I want to talk about specifically in this war that we're in, and we've been talking about it not under a topical discussion, but for months. We've talked about how the enemy wants to come after your faith. We've talked about how the enemy wants to come after your joy because the joy of the Lord is your strength. He's going he's gonna to start to try to unroot belief, right? 
unbelief is like, you know, why the disciples come to Jesus. Jesus, why couldn't we cast out the demon? Because of your unbelief, all right? And he's going to try to attack all of these things. Well, we're going to see how he actually also wants to try to take away the weapon of worship, okay? Second Chronicles chapter 20, I'm not going to read every verse in here, you're welcome, but, um, and forgive me if I mispronounce some of these names here, but um, you got King Jehoshaphat, he's the king of Judah, and uh, in verse 2 it says, some men came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the sea, okay, so they get alarmed, uh, the people of Judah, they all come together uh, and to seek help from the Lord. They come from every town, and Jehoshaphat, in verse 5, he stands up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in, the front, in front of the new courtyard, and he says this. I want you to see if you see any parallels to how we've been fighting the last year. O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. O our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if calamity comes on us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name. We will cry out to you in our distress. You will hear us and save us. Somebody say amen. Amen. But now... Here are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. O Lord our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes, upon you, our eyes are upon you. How many of you have said that not knowing it's a verse? Yeah. How many of you said it knowing it's a verse? Good. Bible scholars. We know not what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Verse 13, all the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones stood there before the Lord. You see what happens? They get this threat of this vast army, bigger than theirs, because it's coming from three or four different places. They're coming to attack you, right? Jehoshaphat's like, Let's go to the Lord. That's why we have, that's why we built this place, to go to the Lord, right? So they go to the temple, they stand up, and they call everybody. And then he prays, and then everybody does what? They go like this. They wait. Why? Because they believe. What else are they going to do? They can't, they can't defeat the army. They're like, we have to go to the Lord. All right. All the men of Judah stood there. Verse 14. Then... The Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of all of these other people, and he stood in the assembly. Verse 15, he said, listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is a prophet, okay, filled with the Holy Spirit. Listen, King Jehoshaphat, and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They'll be climbing up by the pass of Ziz, Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance of the Lord that the Lord will give you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out and face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. That's the word. This is, let me just translate what he just said. 
Here's what God says. All these people that are marching up against you that are coming to kill you, just go out and stand in front of them. That's it. And Jehoshaphat doesn't go, what? You're not going to just tear them down right now so we don't have to go? Are you going to just multiply our armies? Are you going to give us some sort of super weapon, super armor, super leader, super? And he goes, and he goes, no, this is what the Lord said. Just do that. They don't argue. Verse 18, Jehoshaphat bowed with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down and worshiped before the Lord. They're giving thanks. Surely our Lord has answered us. Look at that. Verse 19, then some Levites from the Kohathites and Korahites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice, because they were charismatic. Early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and he said, and here it is, listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army, saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. I'm just going to go ahead and just so we have continuity here. Verse 22, as they began to sing in praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. The men of Ammon and Moab rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them, and after they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped to destroy one another. When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked toward the vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one, say no one, had escaped. So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder. They found that among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and also articles of value, more than they could take away. There was so much plunder that it took three days to collect it. On the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Baraka, which means praise, and they praised the Lord. This is why it is called the valley of Baraka to this day. Isn't that awesome? There's a huge emphasis here in this story, the fact that the worshipers were sent out in front of the army. Okay, that's not, you, I'm sure you all have heard that before. But really, really let that soak in. You have to put yourself in, in Jehoshaphat's shoes. He's leading a nation. And he sent unarmed people to the front of a, of a military battle that they were outnumbered in. He sent unarmed people. That, that takes so much faith in not your army. That takes so much faith in not people, in not the talent of your worship team that you sent out in the front of the army. It takes so much faith in God, and it takes so much belief in his prophets, in the ones who he is speaking through. It's what Jehoshaphat says right here to his people. He says, have faith in the Lord your God, have faith in his prophets, and then send the worshipers out front. That was his battle strategy. That was the biblical war strategy that the Lord laid down. It, and, and he does others. In other, we, the story of Gideon is an amazing story of deliverance, okay? amazing story of, obe of obedience, amazing story about imploring the Lord and casting out fleece and stuff. But it's different than what happens here. It's the same God. It's just a different principle that we take away. Talked about how the enemy wants to steal your faith, your belief, 
your joy, but why would he not want to also steal your worship? How does he do that? I don't know. He's a coward. He does a lot of things. It doesn't really matter. We don't really take time to... You spend less time in war strategy trying to worry about what the enemy is going to do and more time worrying about what you're going to do. Strategy from heaven for this war that we're in, which is not against flesh and blood, is to have faith in God, to believe the prophets, the ones who are proven. I'm not, I'm not saying anyone who walks up to you and says, I'm a prophet, here's the message, okay? Proven, known, vetted prophetic voices, and worship. Worship is a weapon. Speaking of that, worship team, why don't you all come back up? Get your swords. Get your axe. The worshipers, I got this phrase this morning while I was reading through my notes. The worshipers were sent in the front or to the front, which made no natural sense. S-E-N-S-E. But it made perfect supernatural sense. S-C-E-N-T-S. Do you hear that? The worshipers were sent out front, made no natural sense but it made perfect supernatural scent to the Lord. And that was their breakthrough. We hear often that we're to put on the armor of God, and we are, because it's foolish to go to battle without your armor on. It's also foolish to run in with only your armor and no weapons. Okay? Otherwise, you're just a human shield. You're in effect, you're just playing defense. If you have the armor of God with no weapons, you're just on defense. Because all you can do is stop. You can't advance. Worship in so many ways is like our M16. It's standard issue. It's slung around your neck, right? I understand that not every branch, that's standard issue. But it's slung around your neck. It's your bread and butter. It's your go-to. Everybody knows how to, everyone's proficient in it, right? It's your, it's your weapon that you walk around, you sleep with it, right? You wake with it, you eat with it, you go to the bathroom with it. You don't take it off your neck. Worship is like that because you can do it anytime, anywhere. How many of you wake up in the middle of the, middle of the night and worship? You don't have to, worship is not just singing. Worship breaking down the word worship, giving worth, honor, adoration towards because of God's character. Praise is in reaction to an act of God, right? Something that the Lord has done, therefore I praise him for X, Y, and Z. We praise you for what you've done. We praise you for who you are. We praise you for what you've said. We praise you. That's a reaction. Worship is just, if God never did anything, he would still be worthy of our worship, honor, and praise just because of who he is. Worship is, is rooted in character, Okay? And we can worship, yes, with singing, and yes, music helps. But I love that song that was on this morning in pre-service prayers. When the music fades and all is stripped away, and I simply come longing just to bring something that's of worth that'll bless your heart. I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you've required. And I forgot the rest of the words. It's really good. But you search much deeper than within, through, 
to the way things appear, you're looking into my heart, right? I'm coming back to the heart of worship when it's all about you, Jesus. Now, worship, now don't, don't misunderstand the words of that, of that song, okay? Worship also involves the worshiper, not just the worshipee, right? You're filled up. How many of you get filled up when you, how many of you are filled up right now? Just because of singing, of praying, of hearing the word, good. Three people, it's like a 6% success rate. But I just encourage you, as you go, to elevate worship back to the importance that Scripture puts it at. This is just a trigger word. We could study worship for weeks and weeks and weeks, okay? This is just supposed to, it's supposed to spark interest again and go, because I, I don't want the attitude. I, don't think the, I think what the Lord is correcting is any attitude of us that would be like, oh, yeah, worship's important. Yeah, of course it is. Or any, like, routine, like, well, of course we worship. We're Christian. The Lord's like, no, 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 no. Worship is like your bread and butter. Worship is like your standard issue. Worship is the thing that you need to have with you always. Be ready to use and be using always because it's effective. So effective that King Jehoshaphat risked the life of every worshiper under his command by putting them in the front of the battle because that's how he saw the strategy laid out through the prophet as they are trusting God for the answer to the solution. It made no sense, but it made a lot of sense. All right. Why don't you stand? Several ways that we can worship. We'll sing right now. Singing is one of them. Proclaiming truth from Scripture, right? Speaking truth out is worship. Sharing the gospel giving money, praying, giving praise. These are sep- sep- this is just some. There's so many. But we counterpunch with our worship. There's another message that Pastor Glenn gave. It's one of the ways that we hit back because you get, we're going to keep getting hit. That's another thing. Last week I talked about hope. Well, don't put your hope in a date. I wasn't speaking to the singles there. Sorry. <laughs> Don't put your hope in a day. <laughs> but put your hope in the day, right? Maybe put your hope in the day when the Lord comes back. But don't put your hope in any sort of day or timeline, okay? Put your hope in the Lord. It's the same thing when we counterpunch. If you counterpunch, like if you're in a fight, right, and a boxer's in a fight, and they're in round 11, and they think it's round 12, they're going to give, uh, and then they're going to be like, oh, shoot, there's one more round and not be ready for the last round. Okay, so know the times that we're in, but don't put your faith in a time. Continue to punch back. Continue to punch back until Jesus comes back. Don't say like, well, if we can just get to this date, then we can stop. No, 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 no. This is all training. We're all in process, and we're going to keep fighting until the return of the Lord. Amen. All right. Counterpunch by having an increasing faith in God. Counterpunch by believing the proven prophetic voices that God has sent to the church. And counterpunch by worshiping. All right. Let's get to it. Holy Spirit, we love you. And right now, Lord, we raise our worship to you because you're worthy, but we also know 
that it's, it's like we're shooting our guns. You don't just arm us up and then have us go do nothing. We have armor, we have weapons so that we can use them. Father, may we break free from complacency as it pertains to our armor and our weapons. May we break free from business as usual as it pertains to worship. May we break free from a fatalist like, well, I already worshiped this week. Nothing happened. Lord, would we stop being selfish in our worship, Lord? Sometimes our worship even becomes an idol to ourselves, Lord, as we, or we think that doing it to earn something or look at me I worship I put in my 30 minutes of singing or Lord it's so about you we worship because you're worthy we love you because you first loved us and Lord we fight because you've placed us in a battle and you've said hey we already have the victory but I want you to fight that's the great news thank you Lord that it's already won that you're coming back to right every single wrong and it's not going to be a problem anymore. Thank you, Lord, that you've brought us in. Lord, I, I pray that we wouldn't just sit back and wait for the day of the Lord, though. Father, that we would jump in, Lord, wholeheartedly to your kingdom purposes, to your callings, Lord. Father, that we would jump in, Lord, and that we would run the race that you've placed us in. Lord, with, with humility, with integrity, with purpose, with zeal, with holy anger. That's the only type of anger. Lord, I want to be angered over the things that make you angry and nothing else. Not the things that hurt my feelings, the things that hurt your feelings. Lord, would you give us great grace and courage, Lord, to step into a greater experience of worship, step into a greater effect of seeing our worship used as a holy weapon to tear down the spiritual forces of evil that are fighting against the righteous ones. We say your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name.